This is Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast for writers and readers by writers and readers. Hello and welcome to Dissecting Dragons. I'm Madeleine Vaughan. And I'm Jules Ironside. This week, villainesses and dense heroines, the reverse harem trope in speculative fiction. So... (laughs) I know this seems a little bit off our usual beaten track, but I promise you it will make sense by the time we've reached the end of this episode. I would like everyone who's listening to this episode who is confused and amused to know that that was also my reaction when Jules messaged me and said, okay, so don't laugh, but... <laughs> Madeline promptly starts laughing. Yes. <laughs> Um, but then Jules explained it a little bit more. Um, I was totally down for it because it is quite an interesting kind of subject to dissect. So um, essentially the reason we're doing this episode is because Jules had one of her eye-opening moments. Yes. Um, okay. I've, I've often said before that I can tend towards a little bit of intellectual snobbery and occasionally I will privately in the confines of my own mind, sneer just a teeny weeny bit at certain other literary trends. I'd never take that out and and tell other people that they shouldn't read things or whatever. And I genuinely don't think, oh, you shouldn't read that. It's trash. Because you know what? Sometimes we all like a bit of trash. That's fine. Um, But there is part of me that's kind of like, why do you keep gravitating towards that? And this was a case of, I genuinely thought that the reverse harem thing was a recent development that turned up in the lower forms of paranormal romance and erotica. And I was wrong. It's not, it's got a long history. Yes. Um, it's, it's one of those things where you hear it and you tend to think very, very specifically of very specific things. Yeah. Um, but here's, and this is going to blow a few people's minds, the reverse harem trope doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with sex, or in some cases, even romance. Yeah, um, and that's basically where I got to, because once I started thinking about it in those terms, I realised that, okay, maybe reverse harem is not a great name for this trope, but it's something that comes up in a lot of things. And then I started thinking about some of my favourite movies, my favourite series and books and things, and I was like, damn, they've kind of leaned on the reverse harem trope, but there's just, there's no sex or whatever, so I didn't notice it. (laughs) And it was at that moment Jules realised she secretly liked the reverse harem trope all along. Well, in some ways, yes, I like aspects of it, certainly. So, Mm. um, here we go, we're going to discuss this. This is not going to be an episode about erotica, so if you've strapped in for that, I'm very sorry, guys, it's not. Yeah, unstrap yourselves. <laughs> Leave the car. Um, so I guess we should probably start by discussing what it is and where it comes from. Yeah. So essentially the main trope is set up where you have one girl who was surrounded by devoted male protectors. Yeah, and those are kind of the key words because unlike the harem trope, Um, if you want to think Wheel of Time in the books I don't know about the series but Wheel of Time in the books uh, for example or even uh, Sword of Truth again basically a lot of male written epic fantasy kind of leans on this but you have a male MC who is ubiquitously desired by many women 
and will quite often have sex with them at certain points in the book as in mm-hmm. so it, it will, will probably happen um yes in a reverse harem sex and or romance may not come into it at all as we've just said mm-hmm. and some of the male characters may be interested in the female mc and usually in the end one of them attains the sort of true love status but it's not a given and it's not a case of um i've even seen ones where you know the whole she either doesn't pick anyone at all or it's somebody who's outside this reverse harem but mm. it's this unification over this one female character who is in some ways weaker and some ways stronger that brings this group of men together and there's yeah. even variations of it where you know not every person in the group is actually male so you can expand it out even further yeah absolutely um but it is about that devotion yes um and the status of protector bearing in mind that protector can mean sort of various things um it could be emotional protector it could be physical protector um but we'll get into that a little bit later so in the original form of the trope the devotion of the male characters to the female main characters are the point of it so it's not actually necessarily to do with sex or even romance it is just devotion it could be devotion to a cause it could be this sense of um friendship it could also be a sense of duty but it's devotion in some ways it's kind of like a a callback to that courtly love of the arthurian legends the whole sort of i'm devoted to you but i don't necessarily want to get into your pants and if i did i wouldn't unless i'm lancelot yeah, yeah, that's that's courtly love gone wrong, isn't it? Um, yeah, <laughs> and it you know it appears in fairy tales as well. Believe it or not, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, but it's here and it's here and it's here. It's just nobody had a name for the trope. In fact, they probably didn't consider it a trope. It just sort of happened in stories. Yeah. Um. So it it made it quite an interesting topic, and um, it's kind of a very hyper specific sliver of the found family trope, which is a lot more expansive. Mm, yeah because you're looking at mostly the relationships in terms of friendships and and family um, relationships and things from the perspective of this female main character or you know she is she's the central focal point yeah absolutely so the term itself and this is probably where we start to get some of our more squicky associations potentially um it was coined to describe a trope that occurs very frequently in anime but we're going to get into that more a little bit later yeah um but as jules said uh we can actually find it going back a fair long distance into fairy tales um and of course the tales of courtly love so it is by no means a new idea it's just a new term yeah definitely and you know in some respects there are good things about it and there are bad things about it and we are going to get into that in a moment but one thing I will say that you know I can understand if people are already going hang on a minute this is one female main character and you're saying she's surrounded by these male characters Mm. how is that not massively sexist or whatever and there's an element of that in there Um, Mm. but again they don't always have to be male and it's just a case of it's kind of this hyper-specific 
found family trope with this female main character as the, the focal point, the centre of the wheel. Yeah. Um, Weirdly but, enough, when you have something like the heroine's journey in a story, it might be mixed up with this trope as well. Yeah, there'll be a little bit in there. Um, yeah. What I will say that is good about this trope that I don't think I've actually sort of included in in, in my notes, um, but it's sort of just occurred to me, is that um, when we get into sort of the different types of characters that form the spokes of the wheel, if you like, mm-hmm. in the same way that friendships and families and etc the different relationships a character has tend to tell you something different about the character if it's done well yeah and they bring out different qualities in the character and this is like a really intense version of that (laughs) super intense super intense because that is the focus of the story okay it also has a number of let's call them sub tropes that yes. sort of come in under the heading of you know you've got reverse harem and then these guys sort of sidle in underneath <laughs> some of them are okay and some of them are like no <laughs> it's like a whole bunch of tiny people scooting their way into a ball under the dress of a sort of like the knack mac feagles of yeah. the tree world <laughs> They're coming in and they're stealing your sheep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so let's actually explore them. Um, now, we are going to try and cover um, as many as possible. We can't obviously cover them all. Uh, some are subtropes that we like. Some are subtropes that, as Jules has just said, are a little bit squicky for us. But hey, no judgment. Yeah. So we're going to get through as many as we can. And we're going to start with that old chestnut, which is the plain Jane MC. (laughs) Um, Now, this is a mask type heroine. So she is a self-insert sort of character who has nothing interesting or that stands out about her. Often she doesn't know how beautiful she is. That's a typical troop of, oh, I'm very plain and yet everybody desires me she's really gorgeous really (laughs) and the focus is not on her qualities but on how unbelievably hot her male counterparts are yeah now um i am not someone who will shit on the the mask type heroine i think that the mask type heroine often has its place yeah and you can have the plain jane mc Um, which isn't done in a bad way. So where the focus isn't just completely on looks, but is a chance, particularly for teenage girls, to sort of insert themselves into a story and sort of find themselves in a powerful position where people listen to them, where people respect them, where people desire them. This is a, you know, this is a typical... Um, teenage fantasy which I don't think is a bad thing to explore and to provide for teenage girls particularly because we get it very very often for um, sort of for, for male protagonists where you know they have the personality of an old leather shoe um, and yet everybody desires them and they have this amazing destiny so I don't think this is a new sort of kind of thing um i think it does have its place yeah but in its most basic form when it is just about oh no um i'm really plain and yet everybody loves me and i'm surrounded by hot guys um it does 
it starts to get quite grating um and yeah. for me it feels a bit lazy it it's not always very satisfying i've got to say this is not just a teen thing i've found this turns up no. in a lot of paranormal romance where you've got several potential suitors particularly yeah. it's kind of like oh well i'm not really beautiful but i'm cute maybe is the way of sort of offsetting it and i'm just like you could just say that you know what yeah i'm 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 a hot piece of ass kind of thing you know, that would be refreshingly different <laughs> yeah it also turns up a lot in kind of like dating games and things like that she says with absolutely no experience of this my experience of dating games is from like the jokes about other people playing dating games um if that makes sense and the things i've seen online oh the things i've seen um, wait, wait 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 a sec what the fuck are dating games <laughs> dating sims dating simulations um okay let's just try to recall that i'm a dinosaur <laughs> okay okay i'm great with technology but this is not the sort of thing that would have pinged on my radar so no no that's totally fine and actually we do need to talk about it because the First of all, the harem, uh, the harem and the reverse harem trope are something which are frequently used in games, and you also get it in a lot of anime which are based on these romance simulation games. So in the romance simulation games, you will go with the reverse harem one. You play as a girl, and you're surrounded by sort of hot characters, and you can basically romance them. You pick one story. It's like a... Um, uh, a sort of a role a role play game except the you know you're not fighting demons or things like that instead it's it's a romance story and you get to pick who it is but you have all of these available males um it's usually males but sometimes you might also you know depending on on the dating sim you could have all sorts of different things and there are some wild dating sims out there as well i'm not just talking about inclusivity i'm talking about really crazy weird things like if you can think about it it's there guys um that sounds a little bit like persona which i haven't played (laughs) but alan has played and he said you know there's a lot more story going on but there's that as well as a subplot yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, you know, we do... You, <laughs> Sorry, it makes me think of Skyrim and where you wear the amulet. And uh, people just say, like, oh, you have the amulet. I've never I... done that. I, I always thought, no, I'm, I'm playing this. I'm not going to get married. Why would I get married and have kids in a game where I can kill fucking dragons? Come on. <laughs> well, it's, it's quite funny because my partner, he was playing it. Um, and he... he gotten the amulet he didn't actually know what it was for and he suddenly found himself having these conversations and and it was always just like you were i'm surprised you're wearing the amulet and and then y- you can go why are you interested and the characters go i am <laughs> and then you have to say oh actually uh no or you go yeah all right let's get married um but it was <laughs> weirdly enough skyrim becomes a <laughs> depending <laughs> on how you play it uh you sort of it becomes a bit of a harem situation as well um but these dating sims yeah the idea is that you have this romance and you can romance any of the characters um and you basically pick which one to go go with but there's this sort of this sense of devotion the whole way around um and that has fit into a lot of animes um and i think it's actually a large part of why we have animes which have this trope as well because dating sims are obviously very very popular right okay well you learn something every day don't you (laughs) 
um, this is this is clearly where I um, there's something missing here because I'm like it, it's difficult enough in real life why would you then want to take your downtime and apply that to it well that's the thing is that I think a lot of the reason is and again it's to do with the fact that actually it's much easier if you're playing a game or something like that because if you go through life and you feel like I am unremarkable people are not interested in me and then you get to use this mask character to play a game you get to play through them where you know the mask character also feels like they're they're unrem- unremarkable um and yet they have the they develop you know this this harem of people who are very interested in them and they and you can have your pick um i can understand it i've never done it i'm guessing you don't get to then sort of like poison them or anything interesting like that I mean, I don't know. There's probably someone out there. There's probably something out there where you can <laughs> you can kill off one. But th- this is Jules's very specific. Um... <laughs> okay, th- this wants is... and needs coming through. But let's move on. So um, okay, so moving on then to another subtrope. This is the uh, the gotta collect the set subtrope. <laughs> um, basically, the reverse harem is filled with male characters who are all specific types so for example the flirt the leader the dark troubled one the prankster etc um now in fairy tales and in speculative fiction this tends to crystallize more as the male characters actually representing archetypes and we will go into that a bit more later yeah i I actually kind of like this as a trope because there's some the completionist part of me is kind of like well if you're gonna have five males hanging around and you can't get rid of them they may as well all be different and bring something different to the party kind of thing yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, as we, as Jules just said, you know, there's a mix here between sort of, sort of developed characters um, based on archetypes and also having a, a bit of diversity in terms of personality within the group, which is always going to be good. What I kind of find amusing about that, this is that, and, and bearing in mind that I have not watched as much anime as, say, Madeline has. Um, but I've noticed that when this trope has kind of popped up in anime, that the guys look similar enough in some ways, but they seem to be colour coded. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you can tell the angry one because he has red hair. But yeah. then, to be honest, you can tell that in most Western <laughs> media uh, as well. I know the redheads. You know, some of us are actually quite calm, reasonable people. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel Jules's ire from here. Um, that's, a, that's just like my my state of being. I'm not acting <laughs> on it. I don't think you've ever seen me lose my temper. My no, I haven't. Fortunately, I think that would be truly terrifying. <laughs> yeah, Pele would have nothing on me. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, they do tend to be color coded, um, as as you said. Um, Sometimes it's their clothes. It's not even like their is. faces or anything. It's just kind of like I've got. That I've got the white suit with the red edging or braiding on it, and it's just yeah, really weird. <laughs> Absolutely, um, but yeah, it's it's so sometimes it's used well, sometimes it it's just kind of shorthand, as it were. Um, but yeah, I actually I do agree. If you're gonna have it, then yeah, you might as well have all the different personality types. Though I've got to say. 
Um, and again, this is something which is used a lot in um, in dating sim sort of games. You've got the different types so that you can decide, oh, which type do I want to go for? Um, what always makes me laugh, though, is in in books and, and anime and stuff like that, where you have the reversed harem and you've got all these colourful characters and the main character just picks the most boring one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like no go for the weird one do something wild with your life <laughs> sometimes this doesn't happen and I do have some examples of this uh, later on um, so the next one um, is um, oblivious to love this one annoys me <laughs> I thought it might when I was writing the notes I was like this is going to be Madeline's special pissed off area yeah so this is when the female main character doesn't realize that her male group loves her no matter what they do to show it until she's just flat out told so this is not a trope that is much liked since it does stretch uh, credulity and can be contrived um basically it's just there to stretch out the drama um, now, while the audience does love drama, they don't love because the MZ is a dumbass drama. <laughs> now, I should point out, I have seen examples of this where it's used well. So, for example, um, I've read some stuff where you've got neurodivergent characters um, who obviously don't process information in the same way. Um, so that's not them being a dumbass that's them actually plainly and as part of their character needing people to just say things flat out and straight or because they are they've got other things on their mind like the apocalypse okay yeah um and you know all they know is that actually they would do all the same things for all of the male characters and they haven't they haven't equated that to all the male characters being in love it, they just think okay we're a tight formed knit group that's fine yeah I, i'm okay with that it's when it really starts to slip into <laughs> particularly in anime where you've got like the male characters sort of like they they hold a bit of the mc character's hair they kiss it and the mc's just they're like what a weirdo and i'm like come on <laughs> <laughs> yes they are a weirdo but come on how how are you how are we not sort of seeing the signs here like even if i i would almost accept it if they went are they in love with me and then went nah that's ridiculous but it doesn't even occur to them yes it doesn't even occur to them and and there's there's no reason there's no logical reason for why they haven't realized that everyone is in love with them yeah i mean i have to say in um certainly when you're looking at just like just two characters for example and you've got one who mm. clearly is and the other one just isn't aware that's how they feel um yeah. if it's done right because you're it's certainly if it's it's written um, mm. you're, the reader is in the privileged position of actually having all the information whereas the characters don't have all the information yes and sometimes the characters have their own emotional baggage to get over they have their own emotional wounds and things and one character may very deliberately be hiding how they feel so you as the reader are seeing it but the other character isn't because the way this character is acting mm -hmm. is sort of suggesting that either I, I i barely even tolerate you kind of thing and that's yeah. okay and i think you could probably have that in a reverse harem situation but you're right when it's kind of like oh i'll clean your boots for you i'll be your doormat let me throw my coats down over this puddle for you 
And it's kind of like, yeah, but I'm just such an, a plain, ordinary girl next door type. <laughs> it's like they're, yeah. they're, they're literally all trying to get you into bed. How can you not see that? Yeah. Um, in various different ways. Some creepy, some, you know, it's... sincere. Um, so... Okay. <laughs> uh, let, let's look at another subtrope. So yes. this is kind of... Um, hinges a little bit off the gotta collect the set one but this is this is the cool guys trope for some reason this epically ordinary female main character um surrounds herself with this reverse harem of males who are the coolest guys and this is especially so in a sort of high school scenario <laughs> yes um so now, the popular guys really like you really really yeah and uh, and it's just like but why um, now, again, I've actually seen versions of this where it's done very well, and I'm going to talk about um, an example of that later on in the form of Fruits Basket, uh, where it makes sense that the popular guy happens to sort of connect with this particular character. Um, but yes, it again, it's it's a power fantasy. It's or well, I say power fantasy. It's it's a fantasy. Um, it's very popular in the high school setting, and I think that even for sort of adult readers, anyone who's ever experienced bullying, everyone who ever thought, thought oh God, I wish I was popular, God, I wish people would notice me, has kind of, um, you know, enjoyed aspects of this trope in some form or another. Um, again, it's how you use it. It can be done in a way which is satisfying, um, usually by actually examining, you know, giving a proper reason for why the actual, the popular kid in school or the popular, all the popular boys in school are suddenly interested in this, in this female character. Or it can be done uh, in a way that makes literally no sense and you're just supposed to go, yeah, okay, because this is just a, this is just a fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't find it, like, offensive. I do find it a bit amusing. <laughs> the thing is, as an adult, we look back and we're just there like, wow, popularity makes no sense in school. <laughs> it really, no, it really doesn't. It's kind of like, why is that guy popular? I mean, you've got these sort of almost like jock types who are for some reason the outcasts. And the reason they really like, everyone really likes little Benny is because he's got his own iguana. And it's just yeah. <laughs> like literally... <laughs> The status is conferred by owning a reptile in this scenario, apparently. It's like, what, yeah, what's going ab on? Absolutely. And it is, it, it's just a day-to-day -day thing. And it shifts. And to be honest, being popular just seems like a really, really stressful thing. Yeah. Because it can turn at any moment. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the Mary Sue. <laughs> ah. Now, this is a controversial choice. So some audiences are fine with this kind of main character. Some will naturally hate her. Basically, the Mary Sue has no flaws. She is insanely beautiful and can do anything. So everyone loves her. She's like Batman, but, you know, not Batman. Yeah. Generally, the audience finds the relationships that form around this character to be quite shallow. Um, because she, there's nothing to... She, she's like a, a, sheer, a sheer face, if that makes sense. There's yeah. nothing to grasp. There's nothing to grab there. There's, there's nothing to actually connect her with any other character at all. Uh, because she is 
perfectly sphere. <laughs> well, she's kind of like a, a, a Greek statue, isn't she? You know, yeah. and it's just like where weirdly personality flaws and the way people deal with them are things that make other people pay attention. Yes, and absolutely. I'm not saying that people have relationships entirely based around their personality flaws, although that can happen. But mm. it, it's it's the spice in the soup. Otherwise, the soup is kind of like really watery and insipid. It's also the thing is that it, it would be very hard to date someone who was just completely perfect. Can you imagine how exhausting that would be? It would be exhausting. It would be really stressful as well because, like, everybody makes mistakes. So if you were dating someone who never made mistakes, you'd just feel like a complete failure. Yeah. You you wouldn't be able to keep up with it. It would just be, it would be really, really exhausting. I have Um, to say here, um, something that kind of gets sold to teenage girls in particular is that your other half, your future, your future beloved, if you like, must consider mm. you to be perfect. And if they stop seeing you as being perfect, well, the relationship is doomed. And it's like, actually, guys, what I kind of wish that people had said to me as a teenager Mm. is that nobody is ever going to find you perfect and no one's ever going to think you're wonderful all the time. And that's okay because you're not going to think they're wonderful all the time either. Yeah, it's not actually healthy to just 100% of the time think someone is, is wonderful because very likely if you do, you are ignoring important parts of them and are you even connecting with the real person i guess is the thing yeah or are you connecting with the idea of the person yeah um or are you just connecting with the idea of of perfectionism essentially and romance um people are people definitely so yeah the mary sue can be quite damaging okay so um then we have the villainess who you know (sighs) It's kind of outside the reverse hiring group usually, but not always, as I will mm. show later in an, in an example. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the villainess is an antagonist who is usually female and is mm-hmm. invested in this reverse hiring group, but wants the heroine out of the way for reasons and schemes to break everything up. Um, weirdly, I kind of like this uh, <laughs> just because if it's done well, then you have an antagonist who makes sense within the narrative usually and it's just like you can't have all the drama just coming from the potential romance or potential um, ups and downs in a friendship sometimes outside pressures do affect things and this is what the villainess kind of represents yep sorry i'm laughing because i've suddenly realized as you started describing this (laughs) that snow white and the seven dwarfs is a reverse hurry are you looking at my potential list of examples? No, no, I didn't actually even see that. It's just you talking about the villainess, and whenever you talk about villainesses, I was just like, oh, I always happen to think of the <laughs> of the queen from Snow White because she's like, I think she was my first real villainess. Yeah. And then I started thinking about the whole thing, and I'm just imagining the Disney film, and I'm actually crying. <laughs> Okay, well, hold that thought. We will get to that later. I will. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, the next one, um, and this is is sexual harassment. Yeah, this is not a good trope. <laughs> no. So the female main character might be adored, but she's also ignored when it comes to her opinion and is even subject to emotional, mental, and physical abuse. Now, this is one of the reasons I am very wary of 
the reverse harem or even sometimes the harem trope in anime because it does actually happen uh, i've seen a few recent ones where you have uh, just just a harem and the female characters are all trying to get with a male character who 100% does not want to get with any of them at all yeah. um yet they're making very serious advances um and they are actually in the end um sexually assaulting him um and you do get it a lot um in uh the the reverse harem as well where the kind of the men get frustrated they will take it out on her um they will act in ways which are really really inappropriate particularly because this is media which is aimed at teenage girls and it's being framed as if it's romantic as if they just can't control themselves um and she remains oblivious to it um and this is this is one of the examples where earlier on we were talking about that oh the mc is oblivious um, to be honest, if someone started to treat me in the way that some of these female characters are being treated, I would also assume that the people who were treated don't actually care about me at all. That it's not love. That they are just massive assholes. Um, yeah, it's like the it's the whole sort of grabbing your upper arms, forced kiss. I'm going to make you feel how I feel. Thing literally, almost a quote there. Yeah. Um, that's not the same as the surprise kiss because sometimes the surprise kiss is just kind of like one person really misread that situation and got slapped for it kind of thing yeah absolutely i mean there's a whole there's a whole episode there about (laughs) about various different types of kisses and maybe we'll do that at some point um (laughs) talk about it i should say talk about it um i'm I'm really glad you clarified that (laughs) good (laughs) i mean i'm not opposed but just (laughs) Could be I love awkward. jewels, but uh... yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, it, it it is, and this is the particularly annoying thing is that it's used for you know they say oh we're, they're doing it to show their feelings because the main character has just been so oblivious. How has she not realised that they're in love with her? So they have no choice but to kiss her. And I'm like, I don't know. They could maybe you know just say, Use I love your words. you. <laughs> Use your words, people. Then she might go, oh, okay. You know. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Now, there are times when uh, the people can skate the line with this, you know. So, like, they they have to grab the MC in order to move her to protect her or something like that. Um, or perhaps they're trying to scare her. Now, I particularly, I don't really tend to like this trope very much. Um, for example, uh, I hate to bring it up, but Resand in A Court of Thorns and Roses, because there's a tiny bit of the reverse harem thing going on there. You know, I was there. thinking that, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, more than a tiny bit. Um, like, he, everyone's, he does sort of sexually assault her in the first, or he at, very, at the very least assaults her in the first book. And then everyone's like, oh, but he was just trying to disgust her. He was, and I'm like, yeah, okay. But what about, you know, drugging her and making her do sexy lap dances? And it's like, oh, yes, well, I drugged her so she wouldn't live with the trauma of it. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't good. But the problem is that you got something out of it. 
Um, you know, this wasn't a, right, we're in a desperate situation. He still got something out of it. It's the face licking, and I've talked about it before, which really kind of, I just, I don't like any of it. He puts her in sexy dresses, he's like, oh, I had to annoy Tamlin, and I'm like, mm, yeah, no, you didn't. You could have done it in multiple other ways. Yep. Anyway, uh, the point is that I personally have just find it gross, um, and I don't like it at all no. um in in these sort of contexts but some people will find actually the kind of the the sort of the forceful nature of it actually they like it because it um because it is a fantasy because it isn't real and they know that and it's safe and it's safe that they know that yeah um it allows you to kind of explore this idea of r- remaining innocent while still indulging in the sort of the sexual fantasy where he the male characters take all of the initiative and the female character is not and i say this in inverted quotes tainted So I understand why it's popular um, among female readers as well and why people might sort of enjoy it. I don't have anything against people who do. I think it's where it appears and where it's targeted because, yeah, in the adult paranormal romance market, there's a good chance it's going to be in there. I don't like it myself, but that's not the sort of female character I want to read from the perspective of. But I do get that other people do, so fine, you do you. It's when it shows up in young adult fiction or even middle grade fiction. It's kind of like, ooh. Yeah, it's it's when it shows up and it's never sort of talked about. Like I've seen examples where it shows up and then there is this kind of, there's this acceptance that this was not good behaviour. There's a calling out or there's even, you know, the female character turning around saying, what the hell, get off me. Um, And... Yeah, the problem for me is its prevalence um, and the fact that it is consistently framed as being romantic rather than um, being something which is not good behaviour to accept um, and is potentially very, very dangerous. Yeah. Okay, uh, next subtrope then, the high school setting. (laughs) Um, yes obviously a school is a great place to explore the reverse hiring trope because you're going to have more people together in general your social circle will be wider Mm. so your chance of being an ordinary little female main character and having a variety of men all sort of uh, coalesce around you if you like that's a weird image (laughs) is is um much greater in a setting where there's just more of you and also it's sort of learning about yourself through your relationships with other people that's ideal for a school setting so yeah that that's not a trope that's a sub trope rather that's going anywhere i don't think yeah absolutely yeah um and it has its place i yes. think it does as we've discussed earlier so the next one is the damsel in distress now <laughs> I, jules and i both find this to be a rather bleh trope um, as the female character cannot do anything without the help of a man. Um, so essentially she has this harem because she cannot function without it. <laughs> now, I have seen uh, and read versions where you have a female character who ends up having a harem um, because initially she can't do anything. So I watched an anime and the title has just gone straight out of my head. Um, 
and <laughs> I will think of it later on, uh, but it was quite interesting. It was about a princess. She was quite spoilt. Um, she uh, finds herself in a terrible situation where her father has been murdered. Her, her childhood friend, whom she was deeply in love with, murdered her father and has now taken over her kingdom and tried to have her killed. Um, and now she's on the run and she's got one faithful, um, her faithful guard with her. And she has to sort of collect um, these dragons who are going to help her. And there's this implication that she is the the descendant of a dragon herself. And she starts off really unable to do anything um, because, she, first of all, she's so totally traumatised by what's happened. Um, second of all, she's a princess. She doesn't know how to wash clothes. She doesn't know how to cook. She's never had to do any of these things. Um, and so it starts off like that. And if it had stayed that way, it would have been really irritating and start and have gotten very, very boring. But what happens is that this was a realistic depiction of someone who, who was going through these kinds of things, who then steps up. She finds the skills that she can do. She finds a skill in commanding. She starts to learn. She practices archery. And the nice thing is you actually see her really practicing, really sort of trying hard, slowly getting better, developing, wanting to be helpful. And so she doesn't rely on these male characters she relies on them in some ways um you know she relied on them much more in the beginning and now they also rely on her as well yeah and so for me i don't mind it if it's done like that if it's okay quite realistically there's a reason why this female character who's just been thrown into the situation would need support and help to begin with but when it's consistently um, you know, just that, where she consistently just has to be saved, where she consistently doesn't give anything in return, um, it just gets very, very boring. It's like my favourite exploration of this subtrope is when, yeah, okay, let's say you've got a princess character and she's basically useless when mm -hmm. you're moving across country. Um, she has no field craft, she can't hunt and she can't dress meat or anything, etc, etc. And then yeah. for some reason they are thrown into a situation which requires specific statecraft and political knowledge and law knowledge. And she's, yeah. she just fucking aces it. And yeah. I, I love that sort of contrast. That really works for me. But I yeah. completely agree. And I think there's a little bit sort of a court of thorns and roses here as well. Yeah, yeah. Um... Not that I'm saying it was necessarily done well, but... <laughs> um the the anime i was thinking of it's a, uh, the manga as well um it's called yona of the dawn it's actually rather good um and she turns out to be a bit of a badass so i i really like her and yeah i agree um it, it's nice where it's like oh she's a fish out of water in this context and then they get to another one and suddenly <laughs> all of these male characters can't do anything and <laughs> she's the one who you know actually has some sense Yes. Okay, final so one. Final the one. Final one. <laughs> the final this one is... is the dense heroine. Yes. Which, um, okay, it honestly for me it depends how dense she is. I mean, how stupid are we talking on a scale of one to ten? It's an annoying one, but I think we kind of go dense. We're equating it with clueless, mm -hmm. and you can be clueless about some very specific areas in your life and actually be quite intelligent the rest of the time. Um, yeah. This. Yeah, I, I get that this is annoying, but it kind of makes most reverse harem plots work. Yes. Um, because if... Okay, think about this. It, in a two-character situation, you know that the two characters, because this is a romance, 
you know they're going to end up together at the end. Mm -hmm. If they confess their feelings for each other in chapter one and you don't do anything to break them up, that's a really short, boring book. Yes. And it's the same here. If she realises that she's kind of like the centre of the universe for this group of people, then, or, you know, fully, fully understands everything. You're not exploring character in action or character relationships. It's it's a short, boring story. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't actually give you a chance to develop the reasons why she's the centre of that. Because usually when with the reverse harem thing, it's they start off all kind of liking her, and then by the end, it's a complete devotion as well. Yeah. Um, though in some cases you also get this the it's in the middle that it's complete devotion and then by the end as she chooses one the rest of the harem kind of split up down their own path as well yeah well they Um, might even all start off going she's all right but she's a bit of a waste of space kind of like in a quest narrative where they're all thrown together yeah and it turns out that actually they all gradually sort of you know even fall for her in a sort of friendship way yeah, absolutely. They just find that they they, they sort of admire her. Yeah. Um, and what you what you usually get in that situation is that you've got a couple who actually really seriously fall in love with her, and she's going to very seriously fall in love with one of them, and it'll probably be the angry one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The angry one or the aloof one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> god sorry yeah i'm just like so many anime scenes just came back to me then one person looking moodily towards the horizon like lord byron i was like yeah it's gonna be you isn't it with lord byron with his orbs so yes um you do kind of need a level of of the character being dense um not being able to sort of engage with it or having something which holds them back so like for example you can actually have versions where the two are sort of aware of their feelings but there's some other kind of obstacles in the way um well they haven't quite identified what these feelings are because you know they're dealing with zombies at the same time etc so it depends how it's done it can be really quite annoying um or it can actually be quite engaging so it will it will depend so let's go through some surprising and less surprising examples. And I do apologise, Jules, for ruining one of them. With, But I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> okay, well, I've already, I've already mentioned it, obviously, but I think it's a good one, particularly because it leans on the fairy tale aspect of this trope, mm-hmm. and that is Labyrinth, which, you know, will surprise no one. The big, that I'm mentioning it because it's one of my favourite films. Yes. But if you think about it, you've got Sarah, the female main character, and she doesn't really have any female rivals in that film, and yet it's still kind of a perfect film. Um, and the she closest is... she has to a female rival is um, uh, is the Goblin King. To be honest, harsh, different <laughs> kind of masculinity. I would have said. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's surrounded by the you know what becomes a close-knit group of male friends and protectors mm-hmm. and in some respects admirers i mean you've got hoggle who kind of falls for her but knows that there's absolutely no chance but just likes being with her you've yeah. got ludo who's kind of like the big scary older brother who actually turns out to be like a gentle giant mm-hmm. um you've got sididimus who is definitely the courtly love thing as in you are my lady <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, very very definitely that 
that sort of I'm devoted to you, but it is a pure and chaste kind of love. And you've yes. obviously got Jareth himself, who represents her own burgeoning sexual awareness. Yeah. And the mm. fact that she is the mistress of that. She she answers to no one. So I think that's kind of, the, this is why I like, this is the aspect I like of the trope, in the sense that, yes, you've got these male characters, but they actually represent different choices and different aspects of this main female character you know it is very definitely a sort of hero's journey and a heroine's journey at the same time Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um and i i guess people don't really think of it being reverse harem because it doesn't end in a romance it doesn't end in anyone getting together no she chooses herself ultimately which i think I find more empowering than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's also an example of the fact that people can develop feelings for other people, but not, you know, be weird or creepy about it. And also understand when when it is or when it isn't appropriate. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I talked about it earlier as well, Fruits Basket. It's one of my favourite manga um, it's a bit dated. There are certainly a few ideas in there which nowadays you're a little bit like, not sure that's great. Uh, wasn't really great at the time either, but it, it was kind of more sort of acceptable. <laughs> it's like, but everybody was doing but it. But everybody was doing it. I'm talking about there's just a, a few age differences, uh, like the romance between Toru's parents, he was like a sub-teacher, she was a student. I think she'd been held back a few years and they didn't start their relationship until after she'd graduated and he was a teacher in training. Um, But still, you know, you look at that now and you're like, yeah, there's a bit of a power thing there which isn't great, but hell anyway i'm just gonna put that to the side for now for the most part it is a very wholesome um and incredibly enjoyable manga um and it does have that trope where you have a girl who suddenly finds herself kind of in the middle of the very popular guys at school um now this is because the most popular guy at school he's a guy named yuki he is very unattainable which is why he's very popular he's mysterious Um, and he's quite sad and quite aloof and this is because he's got a curse on him and the reason that Toru sort of falls in with them is that she happens to find out about this curse Um, after they find her camping out because she's homeless in the forests around their house so she moves in with this family she finds out about the curse and so there's a and and she accepts them regardless, which is something which Yuki has always been told will never happen. So she falls in with this popular crowd because she's the first person to connect with him. He was popular because no one had connected with him, essentially. Um, so it makes sense. And she has to be physically protected on several occasions um, by all sorts of things, but she is emotionally very mature. Um, whilst still also handling her own trauma and having to deal with it. And she does fall in love quite quickly and the male character also falls in love but they uh, with her, but they don't get to explore that uh, for a long time because there is this curse and there is this horrific situation 
um, going around. And you do have a lot of, it's a lot of male characters, but there are female characters who are very devoted to her because she's an outsider who knows and who accepts them and who is kind. And for a lot of them who have had abuse, abusive backgrounds because their parents rejected them because of the curse, she becomes quite a motherly figure or a friendship figure or a sister figure, which is what they needed. Um, so it's a really, really good example of the reverse harem trope, which is not inherently sexualized or weird. Um, and which I really, really enjoy because I do love this manga. A few weird things within it aside, they are relatively tame in comparison to a lot of other stuff. So yeah, highly recommend that. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, we were talking, uh, Madeline obviously mentioned Snow White earlier and certainly the Disney yes. version of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It could not be more obvious, considering the dwarves are actually named for specific traits. Yes. <laughs> they might as well be colour-coded, Jules. Well, they very nearly are, aren't they? They've got different yes. different hat colours and, and things, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, that, that kind of is one. You've got, obviously, the princess who's taken in by the dwarves and protected. And honestly, mm. you could even probably argue it to a certain extent in the original fairy tale. It's just that the dwarves are not individually characterised as much, presumably because when Snow White was told as a verbal tale, it really depended how much the person telling the story wanted to go into detail on that aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but... There's a, there's a lot of potential there to actually, uh, particularly if you look at the sort of original version, which is they're not dwarves, they are, you know, thieves. She just falls in with a pack of thieves. There's there's a lot of potential there Yeah. to, uh, to write some interesting stuff. Um, not that I'm saying she couldn't have a romance with dwarves either, that, no, that came I mean, out entirely I... wrong, but you know what I mean. I think there's a, oh god, I can't remember the name. I think it might be uh, White as Snow by Tanith Lee, where she does actually end up with a dwarf, not the prince. The prince turns out to be a necrophiliac. Anyway, it's a dark book. It's a dark well, Okay! <laughs> um, it's a, a pretty disturbing but also accurate retelling of the original Bavarian fairy tale. And it's... Okay. Um, yeah. But it's quite a good story. Anyway, I've gone off track Sorry, a little bit Sorry, I here. just feel like I'm just sitting here enjoying the conversation and Jules has just popped up with a huge book titled Necrophilia and smacked me across the <laughs> face with it. I'm so, so sorry. Uh, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so next um, on our list uh, is The Princess Bride. Yeah, this is... You can argue that this is reverse hiring, but it's also almost equally found family because Princess Buttercup doesn't necessarily forge the relationships between her between the the various male characters by directly inter interacting with all of them. However, it's her absence, Wesley's attempt to get her back, that actually causes him to form relationships with all of these male characters. Yes. So she kind of is the, the centre of the wheel. She is the hub kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and there's also, you know, the implication of where is it going to go at the end? Yeah. Because Wesley's going to die, which is awkward for everybody. Um, and there's he's kind of going to be leaving behind a bit of a legacy, you know, in terms of these other, these other characters 
who I think will stick with Buttercup. I think you... How do you mean? Sorry. We're um, going to have to go into spoiler territory here because... Oh, yes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> because he decides to retire as the Dread Pirate Roberts and hands it over to Inigo. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But uh, what I mean is that, um, you know, if you know Buttercup finds herself left alone in the world the friendships he that Wesley has formed will serve her. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's as likely to die as he is at this point. Yeah, this is this is true. Maybe possibly more so. But anyway. Um... <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I recently talked about Annette Marie's Guild Codex series. In fact, it's like four series interlinking and I'm, I, I, I've pretty much read 20 books. Um, but anyway, the first one, Spellbound, this first mm-hmm. series is an eight book complete series featuring um, Sassy Redhead, hey, TM, um, Tori, <laughs> and she sort of believes that mythics are, she doesn't even believe mythics are real, and then she ends up as a bartender um, for the mythic community in one particular guild's headquarters. And there's all that sort of to overcome because she's technically an unpowered ordinary human. Mm -hmm. Um, But she makes friends with this group of three mages and they're three men and they're all incredibly gorgeous, etc. But somehow Annette Marie manages to make it probably titillating enough that some people will carry on reading that, you know, the people who want that will carry on reading it. But not so much that people like me will go, oh, this is boring. Um, this is gross not interested and the relationships are really quite strong she has a strong friendship with each of them individually they have a strong friendship they're like three best friends they're almost like brothers they're obviously Mm. not brothers but almost and she kind of dates one of them earlier in the series and they both get to the point where they're like this isn't really working as in you know there's lots of chemistry here but there's we're not really compatible and yeah. then later on, it takes her much, much longer to work out that she's actually fallen in love with one of the others. Um, and it, it is really good. Uh, I've seen people sort of in reviews say, throw shade at it and say it's just some reverse harem thing. And it's like, yeah, it kind of is. But in the, the original understanding of the trope, not in the sort of like, oh, it's erotica. But at this point, I'd like to point out that reverse harem in in straight up erotica tends to be more of the gangbang variety so you're not talking about reverse harem you're literally talking about gangbang <laughs> there's a slight difference <laughs> sorry i'm sorry am i breaking your brain first necrophilia and yes, then gangbangs yeah it's, it's like i'm just recovering from the first blow and then you come up from the other side with another huge book that just says gangbang and have smacked me across the face with it again <laughs> thank you i have head trauma now okay um <laughs> it does sound interesting actually i might check that out um, all right, so another anime I want to talk about, um, and I'm talking about a lot of anime, by the way, guys, because Jules said you know anime more than me, so talk you about cover anime. that, <laughs> yeah, because Jules obviously has a lot of in terms of books, so that's why I'm talking about anime a lot because I'm I'm covering the bases. I do watch and engage with other things. I actually don't <laughs> watch that much anime, but anyway, uh, or a high school host club. Uh, very obvious reverse um, harem situation. That's the case in both the sh- the anime and in the much longer manga series, uh, where 
you have this character Haruhi um, who has to dress up as a boy it's a bit convoluted um, and joins this uh, what is essentially a a host club so they are literally a harem of, of, of boys who entertain women and technically I don't think they're against entertaining other men either um, but it's mostly women and how do he has to pretend to be a boy and become one of them and they each become dedicated to her um, in different ways with the leader of the group Tamaki obviously falling very much in love with her but not actually realising that he's fallen in love with her for a very very long time he, he's, he has fallen in love with her but he keeps equating it to uh, there's a running joke where he basically feels like he's her father because they have like this whole dynamic in the group where he's the father, Kyoya is the mother, and the rest of them are delinquent children. So he, he keeps referring to her as my my darling daughter. It's a bit gross if you think about it, but we'll, we'll put that as, uh, to the side. And he's just completely ignoring the fact that he's very clearly falling in love with her and just hasn't kind of pieced his own feelings together. Um, and she hasn't really pieced her feelings together either because she's emotionally a bit stunted because of past trauma. Um, and over time they realise they've developed feelings for one another there's a lot of difficulties with that because there's someone else who has feelings for her Um, and they're all traumatised because of course they're all traumatised they're high school students in the end um, it does end with a very clear-cut romance and everyone else sort of getting on with their lives but it is actually a really good example of the whole trope throughout cool okay final example and i say final because this is not the only example out there there are so many examples when you start thinking about it (laughs) many um but i i do want to mention twilight because it sort of does reverse harem twice (laughs) um in the sense of you've got bella swan turning up at school and a significant proportion of the male population is suddenly all about her a lot of them are the popular guys as well Yes. Um, and then obviously later on when she becomes involved with the vampires the actual vampire family forms a weird sort of reverse hiring itself um, It yeah there's a found family in there definitely and it's not like anyone except Edward in that family sort of romantically wants her um, mm. but there's the sudden very intense best friendship with Alice for example and the fact she forms a really good friendship with Emmett who becomes like a big brother to her um, yeah. And Jasper sort of like, okay, you've made me see that humans are not, you know, he was already on that. They're not just prey, they are people. But now it's like, yeah. I've got an emotional investment in that. And, you know, a- another daughter with, with Esme and Carlisle and things. So, yeah, there's the found family aspect of it. But there's also kind of the, they are devoted to protecting her. They have to be because she's like, like one hundredth of their physical capability. Yes. And everything is trying to kill her. Um, Including some of them sometimes. Including some of them sometimes, because, you know, she is technically food. Um, (laughs) I I also want to mention that it does the villainess trope really well, because Rosalie has her reasons for not liking the vampire lifestyle. She feels that she was robbed of motherhood, for example. Yeah. And she had things taken away from her, and she can't honestly say that she wouldn't rather have died and lost that there there is some part of her that is fundamentally broken unfortunately yeah um and she doesn't want bella partly because she's jealous but far more significantly because she believes bella's choosing wrong 
and before that she hates the fact that something is coming along and changing their dynamic so she yeah. very much plays the hostile villainess type character to the point where she very nearly gets Edward killed yes which isn't great to be honest um, but she's not actually a bad person as such this is just a flawed person who acts impetuously and doesn't consider the consequences of her actions yeah because she's perpetually a you know yeah a teenager so well i think she's technically 20 but you know near enough yes like what's your damage and it's like your damage is that this happened to you and you've never moved past the fact that you had that thing taken away from you yeah, absolutely. So um, I can kind of understand it. And you're right um, that she does provide that dynamic which works within the context. Yeah, because you can't have the entire you can't have the entire quartet sort of hinging on on um, Edward and Bella sort of like miscommunicating the whole time. There's got to be the outside influences. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But then, when uh, when Bella becomes a uh, baby mama, then uh, you know things yeah. change, don't they? Anyway, um, <laughs> put that to the side for now. Obviously, these are only just a few examples. There are many, many more. Um, we would love to hear what some of your favourite or some examples that you absolutely loathe. Um, so do get in touch with us and let us know. Uh, before we go, I guess we kind of have to ask ourselves, um, have we ever leaned into the trope in our own work? Um, in my case, I don't think so. Eh. I don't think so. I think I've far more leaned into the found family. Yeah, I would agree. It's, it's I, m much more found family. I and... don't think it's... Okay, yes, I write from first person in my urban fantasy, but... I think it's a case of they're not ever presented as being the centre of the universe. They're just your viewpoint character and the others have all got their own arcs and things going on, which is a big difference. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. I do agree. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is much more to do with found family. And just because we do happen to have two love interests doesn't really mean it's the, it's the reversed harem situation. Um, though people do orbit around Emmeline um, but it is because it is from her perspective and they obviously do have their own kind of they've all arcs got, and things yeah, like they've that they've all got their own shit going on they've all got their own backstories, yeah. their own emotional damage etc but I do feel like there is an element of her which is a, a, a little bit of the linchpin um, which is that people have all kind of come in towards her she has connected people in ways that they would not otherwise have been connected um so i i don't really think it's an example of the trope but i can see threads of it um which you know or threads which could have been taken which have been sort of woven in um that's my own personal opinion um you can say i'm entirely wrong well, i mean, I, mean like. you know, I don't know if you can i think there's a very few occasions where you can say a reader's entirely wrong because it's their reading experience but yeah um 
in my opinion it's far more because i've got, i suppose the thing is i'm not just reading from the character's viewpoint i'm also holding every single other character's backstory and arc and stuff in my head and it's all yeah. happening at the same time so from my perspective it's a case of uh this person is not so much a linchpin as in in this story they're kind of key and in this person's story they're kind of like a bit player yeah fair enough well there's a question have you do you think i've used the trope in my work at all i don't think so well well, talking about your published work um i don't really think so no although (laughs) sorry (laughs) i mean they kind of orbit a bit around rufus but then they also don't so yeah yeah i can see that um i don't think it's i i think there's and also you're writing in third person there as well which changes Mm. the scenario very slightly um but i think it's a case of everybody again has their own arc and their own mission their own things they have to accomplish their own backstory and i think one of the things that divides reverse hiring from the found family is that there's less of that in reverse hiring yeah no i i completely agree um there is more kind of uh, there's more sort of inter interpersonal kind of relationships among different people in the found family with different dynamics between people which can also be the focus of their stories does that make any sense at all yeah i think so okay good i think so i think there comes a point where the you know unless you're sort of let's say we're on one end of the the graph you've got the super erotica kind of like this is basically just a gangbang thing and then if you follow the scale down um you get to the point where reverse harem and found family the line is blurred so much that there's threads of each so it'd be quite difficult to to pull them apart yeah you know i'm not gonna lie i'd be quite interested in writing a piece which is which has uh, i hate the i hate the name of the trope yeah, I'm not a fan of that, it. We, we need to think of a better name for it. Yeah. Force just, other people just, to adopt it as well. <laughs> the groupies. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't mind writing writing something which had that kind of dynamic where people are all kind of brought in by one character. Um, but to be honest, yes, I would be leaning more into the found family kind of trope. Um, and it would probably be, you know gay because it's me i've got um, to say the only thing at time i think i might have gone anywhere near reverse harem is with kieran yeah <laughs> and that's not deliberate that's just kind of like it's almost me actually it's it there's no almost about it i am absolutely poking fun at the idea that everyone would fancy this just, one just... <laughs> <laughs> but there's reasons for that in the same way there's reasons for rufus to be the way he is yeah. One thing I was worried about was I was like, a, is Kestrel a reverse harem? And then I just sort of looked at most of the characters and I'm like, no, most of them don't even like her. It's like, <laughs> it's sort of like the anti-reverse harem as in we're all thrown together and we have to work together with this abrasive bitch. <laughs> like by the end, you know, they've got a good relationship and they a lot of them, you know, they'll do stuff for her because they've got a friendship but it's certainly i don't think a reverse harem because um they're not dedicated to her in the same way not all of them not all at the same level you know yeah 
Um, but yeah, maybe there's a little bit of that in there. And maybe at some point I will write a situation which does have that. Uh, just for the funsies. Not sure whether I would be able to actually go through with the whole thing. Not sure how I'd work out the dynamics. But I'm kind of interested to see where it might take me. So we shall see if that ever happens. Yeah. Intriguing. Well... Um, we've come to the end of our episode again we would love to hear from you guys tell us what your favourite examples of the reverse harem are um, or ones which you think have been done very very badly do you agree with our selection do you disagree have we boggled your mind did Jules give you a concussion with her two massive (laughs) look I think I should be able to say the word (laughs) gangbang and I think I should be able to say the word necrophilia and people like not be like oh my god (laughs) it's not so much that you said them it's just that they just seem to come out of left field (laughs) just just sort of enjoying a a sort of just a a casual conversation and then Jules kind of just comes in there Uh, so there we go Please do let us know. Remember, you can get in touch with us via our Twitter, our Facebook, or our Tumblr, both individually or through the Dissecting Dragons pages. Before we go, it is time for our Dissecting Dragons recommendation of the week, and Jules and I have both got one for you. Yes, um, Madeline's finished this, and I've only watched the first two episodes, but it's very, very promising from my perspective. Uh, If you have Disney+, Plus, it's the new Hawkeye series, which I think came out just before Christmas, and... yes. Um, it's really good. I was like, Hawkeye, not much of a character compared to the other Avengers. There's not a lot going on. But the way they've done this has given him so much more potential. So, you know, he's not being overshadowed by by gods and peep and billionaires in, in flying metal suits and things. So suddenly <laughs> it's like, actually, you're a really competent, interesting and nuanced character. And you've got this other stuff going on as well. It's It's pretty cool. I really like it. Yeah, I've really, really enjoyed the series. Um, I, I read some of the Hawkeye comics, and you can see definite influences from the Hawkeye comics um, coming through, which I've really appreciated. Um, minor spoiler alert: I mean, it's you see this in the first few minutes of the of the of the first episode is the fact that they finally addressed the fact that Hawkeye has um, hearing problems. So he actually is finally wearing hearing aids, which is obviously canonical in the comics, which is great. Um, The way that they've done that has been pretty good. Obviously, they've had to amend it a little bit because this is a more recent phenomenon. Um, But it's a promising start and I'd be interested to see where they go further with it. Another thing I really, really liked is the way they subverted some of the expected tropes that you usually get with these kinds of dramatic series particularly when it's the um i mean the situation is he wants to be home for christmas but there's there's problems in the city which are holding him back yeah um problems to do with his past and one of the tropes this isn't really a big spoiler this is just something i really appreciated from the series is the fact that throughout the entire time he communicates with his wife and tells her exactly what's going on. And I cannot tell you how nice that was. Like, it's really understated, but that was one of my favourite things about the whole series, was that it wasn't, you know, oh, I'm going to keep this separate from my family. Yes, he keeps it separate from his kids because they're children, but he 
fully communicates with his wife and tells her what's going on and she doesn't have she doesn't weirdly kind of guilt trip or guilt trip him or anything else she supports him she knows she knows exactly who he is there's no kind of there's nothing there which for me made out the fact that he's very competent that he's very used to this kind of job but that it doesn't and that the the difficulties that he faces with regards to you know the darkness of his past they're nothing to do with the fact that he thinks if my if my family knew i would lose them and entirely because he knows that he won't lose them um because he already has their support they're entirely to do with how he sees himself which for me makes this self-examination more meaningful yeah yeah well i mean obviously i can't comment as fully as you but yeah i agree yeah so it's a really good series there's some really fun bits um and i i have always liked hawkeye so i was really really pleased to see the series and the direction they've gone with it so definitely worth watching um it may put you in a slightly christmassy mood so there we go (laughs) yes and on that note guys we'll say thanks very much for listening And we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah, thanks and goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast. You can follow our podcast at podbean.com or from iTunes. For more information, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash dissectingreaders or check out our author websites at jaironside.com and madelinevaughan.com Please note that no dragons were harmed during the making of this podcast.